0: Picture this. You're at your local record store. You're in the blues section. You're flipping through records. You're excited, but you don't know what to get. That changes today because on today's show, I'll be sharing with you 11 blues guitarists that you need to know. 11 blues guitarists whose albums need to be on your record store shopping list. Get ready to have your eardrums tickled with guitar goodness. Hey, TAC family. Welcome to episode 289 of the Acoustic Tuesday Show, a show packed full of inspiration and fun designed to help you get more progress, fulfillment, and joy from your acoustic guitar journey. Throughout today's episode, I'll be keeping you in the loop with some acoustic news you can use, including a finger style, this or that, my current beef with Martin, and much, much more. Plus you're gonna meet TAC family member, Eric, who with the help of another TAC family member, created a plan to increase his consistency, and it actually will increase your consistency as well. That's all coming up, but first, you know the drill, open up your ears and get ready to hear some amazing blues guitars that fly way under the radar first up on my list is kid bailey a couple factoids about kid bailey uh, little is known about him even his birthday is a mystery Uh, two of his recordings have survived rowdy blues and mississippi bottom blues in most digital releases however the tracks are attributed to willie brown yet are evidently the same artist credited as Kid Bailey on the original 78 RPM recordings. So shrouded in mystery, it doesn't matter though. Kid Bailey is somebody that you need to hear. So let's go ahead and listen to Rowdy Blues right now.
1: And I love you, baby You so nice and brown And I love you, baby so nice and brown, Could you put up flowers so it won't come down. Born July twenty fifth, eighteen
0: ninety seven, Sylvester Weaver is next. He recorded Longing for Daddy Blues and I've Got to Go and Leave My Daddy Behind with the blues singer Sarah Martin around October 24th, 1923 in New York City. Two weeks later, as a soloist, he recorded Guitar Blues and Guitar Rag the first blues guitar instrumentals. Kind of a cool factoid, but it goes on. Check this out. Both recordings were released by OK Records. They are the first recorded country blues and the first known recordings of a bottleneck style slide guitar. Guitar Rag, played on a gitjo became a blues classic a cover version recorded by Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys in the 1930s as steel guitar rag became a country music standard. I thought this was fascinating. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and listen to that inspirational song, Guitar Rag by Sylvester Weaver. Weaver. You're likely going to raise an eyebrow or two at the next artist, Bo Carter, originally born Armentor or Armentia Chapman on March 21st, 1893 or January 1894. Again, quite a range there, but you get the idea. Late 1800s. Known as Bo Carter since the 1960s, Carter has become best known for his body songs, such as, check out this list, Let Me Roll Your Lemon banana in your fruit basket, pin in your cushion. Your biscuits are big enough for me. I can't read the next one because it's just, it's, yeah, I almost started to read it, just can't do it. Uh, let's see, the final one, My Pencil Won't Write No More. However, his output was not limited to Dirty Blues. In 1928, he recorded the original version of Karina Karina, which later became a hit for Big Joe Turner and has become a standard in various musical genres. So speaking of those body songs, let's go ahead and listen to one of them. Your Biscuits Are Big Enough For Me. Don't read too much into the lyrics here. Again, this is Bo Carter.
2: Some men like lunch meat, and some they like so tough. Some men don't care for biscuits, they like the doggone big fat farm But baby, don't put no more begging powders in your bread, you see. Cause your two biscuits plenty big enough
0: for me. <laughs> Next up on my list is an artist that needs to be on your radar, plain and simple. If you're just getting into the blues, you need to know about them. If you've been into the blues for a while, I hope you know about them. But if not, now is your chance. Sunhouse, House, originally born Edward James House Jr. on March 21st, 1902. I was going to read some snippets about him, but I don't have the time. I don't have the time. This could be a 45-minute show. Sunhouse House is scary scary to listen to. It, it's just it, it's just raw blues in your face. I have no other description for you. You need to hear him. So let's go ahead and listen to him play Death Letter Blues.
1: You don't look like 10,000 people were standing around the burying ground. I didn't know I loved it until I let her down. Look like 10,000 uh, standing around the bearing ground. You know I didn't know that I loved
2: Until it began to let her down You know I didn't feel so bad Tell the good Lord sun went down I didn't have a soul to throw my arms
1: around I didn't feel so bad Until the good Lord son went down I
0: say, and I never saw, and I Frank Stokes is next. Born January 1st, 1877, his parents died when he was a child, and he was raised by his stepfather in Tutwiler, Mississippi. He started playing guitar when he was a young boy, and then later on he became a blacksmith. But on the weekends, he would travel 25 miles to Memphis to play gigs. I feel like Frank Stokes is one of those names that quite simply doesn't come up as much as it should in the in uh, when talking about old time blues musicians. But we're bringing his name up now and for good reason. He's just plain awesome. He's got this beautiful voice and I just feel like he deserves to be in that constant rotation of old time blues, but I don't think he is quite yet. Hopefully that changes. Uh, here is Frank Stokes playing the song Downtown Blues.
1: Going downtown go see round dental dog and i'm going downtown go stir on dental dog
0: you don't like my
1: dream you can make you another dog
0: this next guitar player has a story oh my gosh a story that impacts one of the most popular dare i say classic rock bands in the world Classic rock might not be the right description, but you'll see what I mean here in a moment. Next up is Pink Anderson. Originally born Pinkney Anderson, February 12, 1900. Anderson was born in Lorenz, South Carolina and raised in nearby Greenville and Spartanburg. He joined Dr. William R. Kerr of the Indian Remedy Company in 1914 to entertain the crowds while Kerr tried to sell a concoction purported to have medicinal qualities kind of a fun fact i thought it was neat during this time anderson occasionally worked with blind simi dooley in the spartanburg area recording with him in 1928 for the columbia label label in the 1950s anderson toured with leo chief thundercloud cadeau and his medicine show often with the harmonic harmonica player arthur pegleg sam jackson who actually there's a really cool documentary about on um oh shoot what's that um, I'll think of the link and, and I'll send it to you. Archive.org? No, that's not it. There's a cool documentary about Pegleg Sam. Anyways, that's a little bit of a detour. Let me back up a little bit. Uh, he often played with the harmonica player Arthur Pegleg Sam Jackson, who was based in Jonesville, South Carolina. Now, check this out. Here's a connection to that classic rock band I was talking about. Sid Barrett of English progressive rock band Pink Floyd created the band's name by juxtaposing the first names of Pink Anderson and North Carolina bluesman Floyd Council. Pink Floyd, kind of neat. Anyways, let's hear Pink Anderson play the song "I Got a Woman." She saves a
3: living
0: early in the morning,
3: Just for me. Home.
1: Just for me She's
3: my babe Can't you see I got a woman Way across town She's good
0: to me Oh, yeah And the fun facts will continue. Next up is Reverend Gary Davis, born April 30th, 1896. Davis first performed professionally in the Piedmont blues scene of Durham, North Carolina in the 1930s, then converted to Christianity and became a minister. After moving to New York in the 1940s, Davis experienced a career rebirth as part of the American folk music revival that peaked during the 1960s. And when I think of that folk revival, I think of two artists, Mississippi John Hurt, And Reverend Gary Davis. Not that they were the only ones, but those were the front runners. Uh, Those seem to be the most common names bopped around. And, you know, in my own guitar journey, I didn't find out about Reverend Gary Davis until. six, seven years into it. And a huge thanks to great fingerstyle player Eric Lugash for tipping me off about Reverend Gary Davis, a delightful player who is not, I wouldn't say just limited to straight ahead blues. I would put him actually in more of the folk blues category, if that makes any sense. I think you'll see what I'm talking about when you hear him play. Uh, here he is playing the song Glory Hallelujah." One
1: day, one day, we'll passing by he set my sin for so long by. He made me.
0: Next up is Blind Willie Johnson, born January 25, 1897. He was an American gospel blues singer, guitarist, and evangelist. His landmark recordings, 30 in total, were completed between 1927 and 1930. And here he is singing and playing the song, Trouble Will Soon Be Over. And this song will cut you to your core. It's a darn good one.
1: I am as crushed me down Someday I'll rest with a jitter Ain't well starry crown Trouble shouldn't be over Sorry i have an end Trouble soon be over Sorry i have an end I'll take this yoke upon
0: me Sam Chapman is next up. Originally born Vivian Chapman, January 10th, 1897. Check out this fun fact, two fun facts. He was a member of the Mississippi Sheiks and, and three ands, he may have been Charlie Patton's half brother. Kinda cool. I I just think this mythology and these kind of stories that you can't necessarily verify, but they've made it through time, I just think they're so darn cool. So that's a factoid you need to have in your back pocket. Let's hear Sam Chapman play the song, That's All Right.
1: Well, there's one thing said, Mormon, The doubt or doubt, if I can't come in, he sure did not come out, and that's all right. I know you love another man, but that's all right. Wonder who gonna love you tonight? Oh, dear, I be the asking one, when I love a woman like I love you.
0: A super fun guitar geek story is associated with this next artist, Josh White, born February 11th, 1914. He was an American singer, guitarist, songwriter, actor, and civil rights activist. He also recorded under the names Pinewood Tom and Tibby Barton in the 1930s. Now, Josh White, I would not place solely in the blues category. I, Much like uh, Reverend Gary Davis, I would place him in the folk or Folk Blues category Um, and here's the fun guitar geek story so Josh White had a pretty solid impact on Ovation guitars and I believe I believe he either had a signature model or most certainly a custom model made designed just for him from the folks at Ovation Guitars but check this out he used to go to the factory his fingernails were brittle and prone to cracking due to psoriasis, a condition that got worse as he grew older. Ovation's sub-assembly foreman, Al Glomboski made a cast of White's fingers from which he made a set of fiberglass nails. White glued on the false nails with an industrial glue, Eastman 910, which would later be marketed as superglue. He returned to the factory every other month for a new set of nails. Guitarists have been having fingernail problems since forever. And I just thought this was an interesting little glimpse into another guitar geek's life, a guitar geek from from the days of yesteryear. Uh, Anyways, uh, here he is singing and playing the song, You Know Baby, What I Want From You Is A Kiss. And I think you'll note pretty quickly that this does edge on that corner of folk and blues, kind of smack dab in the middle. here he is.
1: You know, baby, what
4: I want from you.
1: Sarah, look out. A creepy hug. Now I won't be too impatient. I'll wait till you decide. I'll let your conscience be your guide You
4: know, baby, what I want from you Here's a
3: kiss and a hug I say, a kiss,
0: a hug, a hug Yes, baby. And to wrap up the list, another reverend, Reverend Robert Wilkins. Crazy story here. You've got to hear this. He was born January 16th, 1896. He recorded for Victor and Brunswick Records alone or with a single accompanist like Sleepy John Estes. And in 1936, at the age of 40, he quit playing the blues altogether and joined the church after witnessing a murder where he performed. Another another blues story. I, you can't you can't make this stuff up. It's just so crazy. In 1950 he was ordained. In 1964, 30 years after he quit playing the blues. Wilkins was rediscovered by blues revival enthusiasts, Dick and Louisa Spotswood, making appearances at folk festivals and recording his gospel blues for a new audience. Crazy stuff, really cool to dig into these artists, and I would encourage you to do the exact same thing. If you find an old artist that that you really dig, start digging deeper. I mean, like, if you dig their music, start digging into their life and times. Not only is it interesting, but it will also oftentimes lead you to other artists. At least that's what I have found. Let's go ahead and listen to Reverend Robert Wilkins play the song, Holy Ghost Train.
3: Old John saw the train coming in the jazz suits me. Old John saw the train coming in the jazz suits me. Old John saw the train coming, got on board and never stopped running in the jazz suits. If this ain't the Holy Ghost, I don't know in the Jesus. suits. If this ain't the holy ghost, I don't know, and it just suits me. If this ain't the holy ghost, I
1: don't know, I never felt such a love before,
4: and it just...
0: This is the third blues artist list I've done in a row. Right now, you have 33 artists to check out. That's a lot of homework. So we're going to take a break from these lists, but I want to know in the comments below what other genres would you like me to present like this? I really love these lists because it allows me to expose you to new artists, people you may have never heard before, and so far we've just done the blues. But I'm curious as to what other genres you'd be interested in. Go ahead and let me know in the comments below. And on that same thought, there is an Ask Me Anything episode coming up. Just two episodes from now. No, 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 no. Just one episode from now so get your questions in folks uh, to participate in the ask me anything episode it will be episode number 290 which will be airing on may 9th 2023 to participate in this episode go ahead and type the letters a m a and then go ahead and ask me your question it could be anything it could be guitar related it could be life related it could be food related it could be anything related really ask me anything please try your best to put me on the spot okay uh let's go ahead and move on to some acoustic news you can use and yes i got to kick things off with my fretboard summit announcement it's happening at the old town school of folk music august 24th through the 26th three-day passes are available for 350 bucks and It is a lot of bang for your buck. You get the Luthier Showcase, you get the workshops, you get the night performances, the nightly performances, rather, I should say. Um, Tommy Emanuel, Jorma Kalkinen, uh, Jack Broadbent. Some great workshops as well happening throughout the day. And of course, um, the Luthier Showcase, which is... Just mind blowing. It's just mind blowing. It's like it's like the pearly gates open up and there are all the guitars you've ever wanted to play in your life. Uh, I'll be doing some workshops there. I'm very excited and I hope to see you there again. It's August 24th through the 26th at the Old Town School of Folk Music. To get all the nitty gritty details, please visit fretboardsummit.org. And those three day passes are limited to only 250 folks. So, if you haven't done it yet, please do it because chances are those those passes are going to be gone. Um, and if you can't do all three days, I think they just announced they're doing single day passes as well. So keep that in mind. Okay, first up on the news list, I guess technically second, but first new piece of news for you, Simon Haycraft, the inlay artist and so much more from Thompson Guitars, was just interviewed on the North American Guitars Talking Guitar Podcast by Lindsey Straw. And Simon is in the process of a project right now that really is the culmination of his vision, his artistry, and his, his technical ability. Um, he's doing, uh, it's part of the wildlife series that Thompson Guitars is doing, and it's a rattlesnake motif. I am a sucker for inlay. Between the material choice, between the idea and the cohesiveness of the whole theme, And the ability to actually do the inlay and have it come across as genuine and real, this is it. This is the pinnacle of artistry. And you get a whole podcast about it. Simon is a wealth of information. He is just an unassuming talent who is Brilliant. Uh, so let's go ahead and listen to just a quick little excerpt of this podcast right now. You're going to see some pictures as well and just take it all in because it I is awesome. Do.
3: The rosette being probably the most time-consuming part of the mm-hmm. guitar, really, uh, designing and drawing that out um, to have this effect of scales overlapping. Mm-hmm. There's about 100 rows of scales, and then there's four scales in each row. Mm-hmm. Decreasing in size as you go in the center, because I had to actually make them coil round. And that was the kind of the way to do it, Mm -hmm. much like a a snake and coil.
4: Yeah,
3: they have smaller ones and larger ones and it's kind of the same thing, really. But uh, yeah, having drawn that on the computer, I'm like, this looks great. Mm -hmm.
4: And
3: I'm like, how am I going to make this? You know, this is, I might have bitten off more than I can chew. And, but I came to the conclusion really the only way to make it so seamless and, and tight, you know, and fit that circle was really to individually pocket each scale and then pocket into that scale and install another scale. So they're all like put in one by one. Wow. Approximately about 400 of them. Jeez, that is Good. so intricate. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that was definitely an adventure. (laughs) You know, you're like halfway. It's like doing a marathon and you're four four miles in and you're, what the heck are you doing? (laughs) And heading for the nearest pub. But I didn't do that. I stayed out of the pub and (laughs) finished the Rosette, which it did actually take about two and a half days to create that. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: just so intricate.
3: Yeah. But the effect is is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. like it. So It was kind of worth it for that.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: There's really no other way around it to make it as clean and accurate. And then with the fretboard, I didn't really want to do that treatment as an inlay, because that would really compromise the integrity of the board.
1: Mm -hmm. Individual
3: scales, you know, being made up of that, you know, it would probably fail. So with that, I decided to do the larger patterns and different woods. So they're epoxied in, they're locked in really tight. And then I came back and did some did an engraved program, just going only so deep the scales. So that gives that. And then did a fill with a colored epoxy there. So it's all locked in, but it's, it has the integrity
0: rather than doing individual scales. But it has the look and speaking of thompson guitars uh four years ago on april 11th is when preston thompson passed away and i was unaware that the team at thompson guitars crafted an urn for preston and it was made like a guitar bracing kerfing inlay Uh, you're seeing pictures of it right now and i just thought what a fitting tribute to such an icon in the small bench luthier scene. You know, I always think about Preston Thompson starting Thompson guitars and just kind of entering a field that didn't really have much structure at the time that he did it. We're talking, you know, 80s, let's just say the 1980s, you know, not a lot of small bench luthiers coming to the forefront in the 80s. And Preston Thompson was one of them. Kind of a cool... Um, Kind of a cool perspective anyway, and I just wanted to share that with you because as a guitar geek, you need to know about Preston Thompson, but furthermore, what a great way to honor a guitar geek, a true guitar geek, a guitar builder. Um, Next up, speaking of guitar builders, uh, Bourgeois Guitars completed guitar number 10,000, and man, they went for it. They went for it. This guitar is downright gorgeous you need to see it. You're seeing pictures of it right now. Uh, in fact, I've got some cool video of it as well. I wanna share that with you because what an accomplishment from a, you know, a small guitar maker, but also, yeah, 10,000 guitars is an accomplishment in and of itself. But to produce a guitar like this that is elegant, and a, just a joy to look at, I think, is also a huge accomplishment. So here is Bourgeois Guitars, guitar number 10,000. Style, this or that Alexander Misko is on the forefront of the modern finger style guitar movement. Um, he does all these crazy things with different tuners. He tunes on the fly. I don't even know how he manages all the things he has going on. And you're going to see what I'm talking about here in a moment. He organized organized. He arranged a piece of music that was a fretted arrangement of the piece and then a non-fretted arrangement of the piece, meaning the the first time through, or the second time through, I don't know, the fretted version is him fretting the notes. The non-fretted version is him adjusting the tuning on the fly to achieve the same melody, to achieve the same arrangement. It's so cool to hear the difference between the two back to back. So this is a chance for you to say, or non fretted Let's go ahead and look at the video. So later the video of my new song Umbrella Streak got pretty viral on TikTok and Instagram and uh, people have been wondering why I decided to play it in such a weird way. Mm-hmm. Using all the fancy retunings on the fly instead of, you know, playing it traditionally using... Frets. And uh, I thought that I actually never try to play it normally, so I was thinking it would be fun to show you guys. I quickly arranged it for like traditional guitar, so let's compare two versions. Let me know which one you like better, and uh, also it's in standard tuning. Well, almost just the top string goes down one step. I don't know, I like both versions. Let me know what you think. So what'd you think? Let me know in the comments below. Did you like the non-fretted version or did you like the fretted version? Or did you like them both? Go ahead and feel free to chime in down beneath in the comments. Down beneath in the comments? Who says that? What, what am What is this? The 1600s? Down beneath in the comments. Please go ahead and enter your opinion. Proclaim it from a mountaintop. Maybe unroll a scroll. Just ignore me, I'm, I'm already off the rails. It's not going to change. It's not going to stop. This episode. Uh, next up is uh, I've got a couple cool pictures. I just want you to see. I was surfing uh, elderly instruments the other day, and I found in the vault they had a Style Three Tricone made by National with the um, Lily of the Valley engravings, and it's just it's just stunning. I, there's no really in, there's no real news associated with it, other than that it's beautiful. You should probably see it if you've never seen a a. a uh, a tricone or a metal bodied resonator engraved. Um, now's your chance. It's pretty stunning. And then, uh, next up, huge congratulations to the folks at Graph Tech. Uh, they make the tusk saddles and nuts, they make tuners, they make picks, they make bridge pins, they make a ton of different stuff. And they just celebrated 40 years in business. And I saw this post by them. They took a picture of their very first order. And it's just really cool to see. Gosh, it's neat to see and put into perspective that, you know, some of these companies that we take for granted, they started out small once, once upon a time years ago. So to see that proof is, is pretty darn neat. And then finally, to wrap up your first dose of acoustic news you can use, we're going to stay on that modern finger style train. Uh, Luca Stricognoli is launching a world tour. Yes, he's gonna be making the rounds and his schedule looks absolutely jam-packed. Check out his website to see if he's playing nearby, uh, nearby to you of course, and you gotta go see him play live because his compositions are out of this world. The way that he is able to play all the parts and conceptualize all the parts at once, is just a feat. He's, it's just like watching a master at work. Again, Lucas Stricagnoli going on a world tour and um, he's warming up for this world tour and he's working on his left hand, his fretting hand. So he posts this video and I'm watching him and I'm just like, man, his his fretting hand could like could like crush you know a walnut, like a shelled walnut. You know, we always had him around Christmas time and my family had a big bowl of mixed nuts on the table. yeah had those nut crackers, you know? Anyways, I feel like if I invited Luca Stricognoli over to the house, he would just be cracking the walnuts and giving them to the kids, because his left hand, his fretting hand is so strong. Anyways, random story. Um, Let's go ahead and watch that video with his, uh, I put my notes here, fretting hand madness. and grab your guitar, now it's time to toughen up your fretting hand. We're gonna see what the TAC family is working on today. Every single week within Tony's Acoustic Challenge, the TAC family rotates through the five essential guitar skills involved with learning any song. Your fluency in these five skills helps you learn songs faster. It's like building your guitar tool chest. So when you go to learn a new song, you just look in the guitar tool chest and you say, oh, I've got all those tools already. I'll just apply them to this song. On Mondays, the TAC family looks at a technique challenge. On Tuesdays, a guitar lick challenge. Wednesdays, an improvisation challenge. Thursdays, a rhythm guitar challenge. And Fridays, a chord transition challenge. I almost forgot. I don't know how I could forget. I'm like an autopilot sometimes. This has been the schedule within Tony's acoustic challenge for years at this point. And how I randomly forget it is beyond my knowledge. But I will remind you, today is Tuesday. The TAC family is working on a guitar lick and here's what it is. Your guitar lick challenge for today is named Transistor Radio. And I think very quickly you'll realize why it's named Transistor Radio, because it's a nod to the lyrics from the song that this lick comes from. And this lick is all about double stops. Let me go ahead and play it for you and then we'll dig into some of the bigger implications that this lick has. Okay, here's how it sounds. Yes, very much brown eyed girl, Um, but it is actually so much more and that's what I wanna talk about right here, right now. But first, TAC family, to learn this note for note, please log in, this is your daily challenge. Click on start challenge, that'll take you to the teaching video. Once you're done with that, move to the play along video, adjust it to a speed that's comfortable for you and don't forget to click on that tab icon in the lower right hand corner, that'll pull up the tab so you can have that sitting there right next to the video. Okay. So what's the deal with this lick? Is it just a party trick? Is it just a piece of a song? No, it exposes something that is a huge, huge benefit to your playing. If you can start to look at licks through this lens, the lick lens, um, I think you'll see that this will start to make many doors open up when it comes to playing licks, learning pieces of songs and applying them elsewhere. So what I'm gonna do here is play a chord, go to the lick, and then come back to the chord. Now there's two pieces of this lick, right? We'll call it the G piece and the C piece. The first part, that's the G piece. Why? Because it works and hints at a G chord. So let me just stop right there. What I'm going to do is I'm going to strum a G chord, do the lick, come back to the G chord. And I think you'll see that the interplay between the two is pretty undeniable in that, oh yeah, it's very clearly a G chord. Okay. Here's how that sounds. So this part right here, whoops, just screams G chord. That's pretty cool. Hang on to that for a second. The next portion of the lick, the C part, right? Hints at a C chord. I'm going to do that same exact thing. I'm going to strum the C chord and then I'm going to go ahead, play the lick, come back to the C chord. So you can kind of, again, hear the interplay between the two. Here's how that sounds. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing here. We're taking these series of double stops, right? Two notes played at the same time. Think of it as a harmonized sequence. And what it's doing is saying, Hey, yeah, these, these are just double stops, but I'm actually hinting at the chords so strongly, it's undeniable. And this is where you can take anything that you learn on the guitar. In this case, a lick and start to apply it to different chords in different situations because you want to name it, you have to name it first and then you can start to apply it broadband, right? If I look at this, that starting point, I have a G note on that high E string, call that the root of the lick works over a G chord up here. That same note on the high E string is now a C works over a C chord. So if that note on the high E names, what chord it works over. If we change that note to say an A, all of a sudden we have a lick that works over an A chord. If you want it to work over a B chord, you can do that too. Right. So it's one thing to learn the lick as it's written. It's great, you can add it to your musical vocabulary. And yes, even if, even if it's from a popular song. But I want to encourage you to take it one step further. Can you name the lick? Can you see which chord it hints at and figure out what the root note of the lick is? Because if you can do that, you can then play that lick over any chord. Pretty awesome stuff. And that brings me to a really important point a really important point, And that is when you're learning something, don't always take it at face value, right? Print out the tab, learn it note for note. That's great. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but see if you can go one level deeper. See if you can apply that lick to a much more broad setting, because then you'll be learning a certain song. You have this cool lick, this cool phrase You that might, pop up in another song and you might want to add that to another song. If that's the case, when you learn how to bend it and flex it so that you can apply it to other uh, uh, musical situations, you're that much better. You learn something once for one song and then all of a sudden you have this tool you can use elsewhere in your musical, in your guitar journey. So just keep that in mind. Something I thought was really cool and a great lick that really kind of exposes the power of being able to name things and figure out why and how they work speaking of the tac family i want you to meet tac family member eric i had the chance to interview eric during the last tony's acoustic challenge live 90 day progress party and he shared some awesome tips with the tac family and i want you to hear them as well um, because i think they'll make a huge impact on your guitar journey your consistency and your overall mental approach to playing guitar regularly so uh, the first question I asked him was, "Hey, what are you working on over the next ninety days?" And he just took an aside and he said, "I just want to, I, w- I just want to thank the TAC family because uh, TAC member Mary gave him a tip about being consistent and how to bolster that consistency, and it involves making an appointment. You'll see what I mean. Here's what Eric had to say:
2: On my uh, on my goal list is to um, to complete uh, Fretboard Wizard. i um, just about there. I think about eighty percent done. Um, yeah." And and to uh, uh, establish some consistency uh, in my inconsistent routine, and I and I got some great ideas um, uh, this session. One from Mary uh, was to nice. um, establish a schedule, make it make it an appointment, like you're going to you know an appointment with a doctor, right? So yeah, I got it, Mary. Thank you. 7 p.m.
0: You're going to get discouraged during your guitar journey. There's going to be a day where you just don't get something and you're gonna feel frustrated. You're gonna feel discouraged. It's going to happen, you're not immune to it. So rather than get frustrated and discouraged that you're feeling frustrated and discouraged, Eric had some great words of wisdom about your overall guitar journey, your consistency and taking the wins when the wins happen. Here's what he had to say.
2: The other thing I've, I've, I've learned you know, with with um, you know, an in, having an inconsistent routine because of my inconsistent work schedule and and um, inconsistent uh, motivation levels is um, don't beat yourself up over not meeting your goals, right? Take your wins where, where you can, and and here's an example. Um, I've tried to to catch up with the daily challenges over the last few weeks, and um, I think I ran out of time where I had to reboot reboot my computer and I couldn't get back to the rest of the, you know, the previous month's challenges. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I did learn that there's a way to do this, and you just shared it, and and I shared it with some others in the chat today. And that is, you know, tag tag them as your favorites, and you can get back mm-hmm. to them. But yep. the, the challenges over the last few weeks have been really, really awesome for me. I really loved the the uh the drop D week and especially the open D week. Um even though I didn't I wasn't able to be consistent with my with my daily routine and the time, some of the 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 open D lessons really just Um, just grabbed me and I was able to take them and run with them and do some improvs and do my own things. And and I'm still, and I'm still doing it. And I was doing it today.
0: I want to thank Eric for sharing his guitar journey with me. And of course with you, I think it's always so valuable to see what other guitar players do, see how other guitar players encounter and overcome challenges. See if we can pick up any tips or tricks from other guitar players that we can apply to our own guitar journeys, our own unique life situations. So uh, cheers to you, Eric. Thank you for sharing again. Uh, now on to your second dose of acoustic news you can use, and this first one comes straight from Carter Vintage Guitars and whoa, baby. Ray Whitley, I've always associated him with the J200, this elaborately inlaid huge guitar. So when I saw this next video, I was speechless because they made like a tiny J 200. It's basically like an L with the same inlay motif as his J 200. I never knew this thing existed. It's a joy to see. It's even cooler to learn about. So let's look at a quick little snippet of a video that Carter vintage guitars did on this extremely rare, one of a kind custom Gibson L Ray Whitley. I don't think that's the official name, but wow. Uh, It's amazing, you gotta see it. And
4: Whitley thought a singing cowboy needed a fancy guitar too. And possibly on his way to Hollywood, he stopped off at the Gibson factory in Kalamazoo with an idea for just such a guitar. It was bigger than any Gibson flat top, so it was called the Super Jumbo. And when Gibson made it a catalog model, it cost $200 with the case, so it became the Gibson SJ 200. Not long after Ray arrived in Hollywood, he had Gibson make a smaller guitar, this one based on Gibson's Nick Lucas model. It featured Gibson's standard 14 and 3 quarter inch body width, like Gibson's L00 of the same period, but with a deeper body. And like the pre World War II Super Jumbos, the body of this small guitar is rosewood. Gibson was fitting the Super Jumbos with a large mustache-shaped bridge with individual string saddles, and that's what uh, Whitley put on this guitar. The pearl fingerboarding inlays, just like on his original uh, Super Jumbo, are engraved with western scenes. The headstock has the flowerpot inlay that was found on an L5 archtop. Several of the early Super Jumbos were labeled L5 Special. And in case there was any doubt, custom-made for Ray Whitley is right there on the headstock. The footprints of a non-original bridge are evidence of some of the changes this guitar has been through. It's now been painstakingly restored with a new fingerboard and bridge. Whitley died in 1975, but this custom-built Gibson of his is still going strong.
0: I want to bring your attention to a fundraising project that will help bring music lessons and music instruments to the kids at Lifehouse Duluth. Uh, This is the Leadership Duluth Music for Life Project, and they are looking for monetary donations or music instrument donations to help kids get music lessons, get instruments in their hands, get music lessons going, uh, to offer that glimmer of hope that you've likely felt as a guitar player. I know I certainly have. Uh, Music has always been there during some really trying times in my life. Chances are, if you're a guitar player, you've had that experience as well. Now, this was brought to my attention uh, by two different folks. Uh, Charlie Parr posted about it uh, because it's very near his hometown, not his hometown, but where he, he resides currently in Duluth. And uh, also Kyle Orla, who I've featured on the channel before. He's got a great Instagram, great YouTube channel, and he runs a Patreon page that is just all full of awesome old time music factoids. Music, it's all good. Uh, Kyle Orla's string works so. Huge thanks to Kyle, huge thanks to Charlie for bringing this to my attention, and I wanted to bring it to your attention. Uh, You can find it on GoFundMe, and uh, I'll go ahead and put the link in the description below if you wanna participate. Their goal is $4,000. At the date of this filming, they're at $725. You can also reach out, let's see if I can find the email. Uh, There's a fella at Bent Paddle Brewing that uh, you can reach out to i'll go ahead and put that email right on the screen right now Uh, you can reach out to him and say hey i'd like to participate donate an instrument donate money donate your time Uh, and of course spread the word about this fundraiser i think it's a great cause and something that is near and dear to my heart because i have felt that that impact that music can have and i would love for everyone to feel that at some point because it is a powerful powerful thing Uh, next up I've got um some great songwriting advice. You know, I've I've mentioned Andrea Stolpe on the show before. She has a great Instagram profile profile page. She posts a lot. I don't know what the right term is. I'm like I'm outgrowing technology, not like I'm superior to technology, but I'm at the point in my life where technology is very quickly passing me by. I am left in the dust. I just am figuring out Facebook and Facebook is like old news. Um, So I moved on to Instagram and I feel like I'm kind of wrapping my head around it. But by the time I get it, something else will happen and I will be in the dust yet again. Anyways, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Instagram or the other things that are out there, look for Andrea Stolpe, S-T-O-L-P-E. If you're a songwriter, she shares some invaluable tips that really offer new perspective on songs you might be writing. She offers these wonderful tips and tricks to help your songwriting, and here is one of them. Uh, This is just a small sample of some of the goodness that she posts on a daily basis. Check this out. If
1: you feel like your song choruses just aren't popping, stop thinking about verse chorus and start thinking about when you feel it's natural to give the listener more forward momentum or pull back on that momentum. a song called Numb Little Bug And the verse lays down long stretches of chords. Now, there's a lot going on melodically. So, a lot of short notes going on and lots of lyrics. In the next section, though, she gets more movement, more flow, more energy by shortening the distance between the chords. And she's still singing really short notes and short phrases in the melody. So this creates acceleration. This is how we create flow, flow of energy in our songs as we change between short phrases and long phrases or close together chord changes or long expanses of chords. I hope this tool is super helpful in allowing you to write songs you
0: love. I've got to get this off my chest. I've got a beef with Martin Guitars and I have to share it. Everybody's been asking me, hey Tom, did you go to NAM? How was it? What'd you see? Any cool new products coming out? Who'd you meet? I didn't go to NAM this year. I didn't have time. I sure wish I would have. I saw all the pictures and it looked awesome. So many friends, so many acquaintances, so many performances that I wish I was able to see in person, but I didn't. Alas, I have what the kids are calling FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, I think that's the correct term. No idea. No idea. I don't use terms like that, but I thought I'd be hip and cool trying to. Anyways. So I usually watch like a hawk to see what the new releases are. And I caught wind of Martin's releases. And I saw some different things, some some cool kind of, um, um, you know, worn or relict guitars, which aren't always my cup of tea, but I thought, wow, it's cool that Martin's making these, um, you know, a little bit more uh, accessible to folks. And then I come to find out that one of the models, the where was painted or printed on. And I just found that a little bizarre. It's not my cup of tea, it might be your cup of tea and no judgment if it is, no judgment if it is. If it inspires you, play whatever you want. If the the Martin D42 Bitcoin inspires you, play it. I'm happy for you. So this is purely opinion from, from my perspective. The D42 Bitcoin, huge misstep. This, this trend of printed guitar tops with various art and things on them, it's just not my cup of tea either. And I, I, I hate to say it. I feel like it's just straying from Martin's roots a little bit. And I, again, I, I want to be very clear here. I'm not passing judgment on those who really enjoy these guitars. Because like I said, if it inspires you, play it. Buy it. Play it. Love it. No judgment from me. Again, this is from my perspective. I just feel like there's this straying from Martin's roots that I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time dealing with. And I'm a huge Martin fanboy. I mean, let's be honest. I've got like, I got a lot of Martin guitars. I do. I love Martin. So it pains me to see some of this ah, scattershot approach with new guitars. Um, and the other one. So so that's that's the the one beef. I have another beef. The CEO series, to me, the CEO series, well, I guess it, you know, it, it's, it can be whatever the CEO designs. I get that, but here, here's, the, here's what I'm having a hard time with. The CEO 7 is probably the best modern made Martin guitar that is in existence in terms of a model, the specs and what it does small body, think like L-double-O-E, uh Adirondack top, mahogany back and sides, a beautiful guitar that retails at like $3,000. No, it's not cheap, but it's a darn good guitar for a darn good guitar's price. Easy to swallow, dig it. could swallow that pill. They released the CEO 10, which is limited to 100 instruments. Now the CEO 7 is an open run to the best of my knowledge. I, I still, uh, I believe they are still producing it. They released the CEO 10 it's limited to hundred instruments and it's nine grand. And it just kind of looks like a, well, it is, it's custom shop guitar. And I don't, I'm reading, I just keep reading the specs and I'm trying to figure out what makes this CEO 10 so special and it's beautiful guitar. (laughs) Okay. Don't get me wrong. This is a beautiful guitar. Would I like to own this guitar? Hell yeah, I would. But I always thought that the CEO series was a chance for, (laughs) to be honest, Martin to take a shot at Gibson. Um, If you look at some past CEO models, it's very clear that Martin is like, move over, Gibson. We got this. We'll do a better job. Okay, and I like that. But this new CEO 10, it just looks like a Martin custom shop, and that's cool. That's cool. Like I said, no judgment here. Uh, it's a, it's an awesome guitar. Would I like to own it? Absolutely. I think it kind of misses the mark of the CEO series. Maybe I'm off base here. Um, but ultimately I guess in summation to make a long story long, I really struggle with some of Martin's new models and I don't, I'm not trying to throw shade because this is a company that's been around since 1833 and they have been on the forefront of acoustic guitar pretty much since that time. But I feel like it's getting real scattery and real like, "Ah, let's try all the things. And um, I I don't know, I just wanna wanna see him stick to what works. D18, D28, D35, D41, D45. All the different body styles, right? OM, single O, double O, triple O. And just do that, I guess. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Let me know what you think in the comments below. It really, it's a hard discussion for me to have. It's a hard topic for me to even talk about because I love Martin guitars. I love to see them trying new things. I just feel like some of the new things are a mismatch. But like I said, if it inspires you, don't let me get in your way. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna judge you. If it inspires you, you love it. You play it. Awesome. Just my perspective. I don't know. Is that a beef? Maybe it's not a technical beef. Maybe it's more of a topic of discussion. But anyways, uh, carry on with that discussion in the comments below. I know I've gone over time as per usual. Uh, so let's go ahead and take a sneak peek into next week. And next week is the Ask Me Anything episode. I'm gonna take the questions you have been submitting in the comments, whatever they may be and I'm gonna answer them. The whole show is gonna be composed of me answering questions. Yeah, I'll throw in some acoustic news you can use. Yeah, we're gonna see what the TAC family's working on, but you're gonna learn a lot about me, so I hope you put me on the spot. Ask me some real doozy questions, will you? Uh, put them in the comments below. A-M-A, ask me the question. I'll answer it on next week's episode. And if I have enough questions, I'll make two episodes out of the deal. Uh, That's what's happening next week on the Acoustic Tuesday show. Remember, you can catch Acoustic Tuesday every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Before I let you go, please do remember this. Your guitar success, however you define it, is directly related to your guitar routine. So please invest the time in developing your guitar routine and make sure to have fun every single day that you play. Thank you so much for joining me today, thank you for being a guitar geek, and I'll see you next Tuesday on the Acoustic Tuesday Show. Cheers to you, guitar geeks unite.